Greetings and salutations. You are listening to the Into the North podcast, where we take a look at the competitive side of the Commander format, also known as CEDH. I am one of your hosts, Lyndon, aka Noobzors, and today I am joined by my co-hosts, Matt, aka Null. How's everyone doing? Reed, aka Sick Robot. What is up? And Morgan, aka Spleenface. How's it going? Uh... So in this episode, we're going to be doing our end of year review. So we we did this one, or we, we did a, a year year end review for 2018 last year, and it was our third ever uh, episode. And you know that's, that was back back when our uh, audio was still trash. I mean, it's it's better now. We've got we've got a, a solid uh, uh, editor with with Roadkill and. Uh, you know, we we've got new audio equipment. We we've come we've come a long way since uh, since that first episode. Yeah, people pay us now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, people pay Roadkill. We most of the most yeah, of the yeah, money yeah. most of the money we get from Patreon just goes towards editing and uh, paying for like hosting fees and whatnot. But seriously, but, since this isn't a topic we set aside in our year in review the like the support we've had from you and just how much we've grown and how much we've been able to improve and how much like just how awesome it's been interacting with this entire community particularly over this last year because we were just getting started at the start of the year has been truly incredible yeah i i I love going back and reading like you know i don't always respond to every single comment people leave but i definitely like read almost all of them so like on reddit every time uh someone posts a link to the newest episode you know people or we, we hear back from people saying like oh you know i just found the episode i just found your show or I'm, I'm loving the show and like dude that's a that's a massive massive ego boost right there I- <laughs> yeah <seriously>. that's <laughs> why we do it right yeah, yeah. oh yeah um but no yeah thank you thank you so much for everyone who uh vocalizes your your appreciation and um you know, even if you don't, even if you're just listening, you know, those, uh, it, it counts. We, we see the numbers of views and, and, uh, downloads we get on our, on our stuff. And it, we've been growing out, we've been growing throughout the entire year and it's just, it's super awesome. Super awesome to see. So yeah, thanks. Yeah. It really does mean a lot. But yeah, so uh, in this episode, like I said, we're going to be doing our end of year review for 2019. So we're going to be trying to uh, cover sort of like the greatest hits and and make this. We, we won't we won't be going in depth into every single thing that happened, but we'll, we'll try to uh, to cover you know stuff that happened for in the CDH community uh, in terms of like deck building and 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 cards that were printed and whatnot. Um, yeah try to make it as comprehensive as we can uh and you know go ahead and let us know in the comments how we messed up <laughs> but, but yeah, also so we'll, slightly entertaining <laughs> yeah before before we get into any of that uh what have you guys been up to since the last episode nothing much that's a dirty lie no. <laughs> <laughs> but so, wait you guys were gone for our last episode wait you guys Morgan did an episode went to us? the airport <laughs> No, we would never do that. I'll take it from here, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was, there was so Morgan and I went to the airport and randomly picked New Zealand as a as a couple's vacation destination. 
Um, but actually, we went to New Zealand to go to ExileCon. For any Pile of Exile players, um, you're welcome. Uh, we have all. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, New Zealand was pretty incredible. Uh, just a absolutely beautiful country uh, with tons of really cool stuff. And as Matt said, ExileCon was a pretty sweet convention. Uh, and yeah. Cool. Uh, so then without further ado, let's uh, jump into housekeeping and, and then we can get into the actual topic. Uh, so as is usual for our housekeeping section, we've got uh, a bunch of new patrons to cover. And, and you know, we already did our, our spiel about, uh, you know, listener support and everything. But you know, it really is the patrons who are allowing us to, you know, not lose money by putting out this podcast it really it really is a passion project so i mean we were definitely losing money to begin with but we're we're thankful we don't have to continuously, continuously <laughs> to lose money, pay to money out of pocket every yeah. month um yeah so you know big shout out to uh, phil q mm. guys come on Thank you, Phil. Oh, I'll just go next. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Tegan S. Sorry, let's just redo Two. that. Let's let's redo that. Sure. Yes. It, it's, we it's, have it's, an order. It's, it's Linden. Yes, Matt, we have an order. I know. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's in the order of the call. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, big shout out to uh, Phil Q. Tegan S. To Ezekiel B. To Peter B. Uh, to Tickletron. <laughs> And last but not least, Harold T. Don't say Thank it. Thank you, everyone. Don't say it. Don't okay, say it. you guys rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We will we will continue this trend into 2020 of of stealing this you rock thing until the command zone sends us a cease and desist. So You know what? <laughs> that, Jesus Christ. The day they Which notice and care and, will be a good day. Yeah, the day they acknowledge we exist, that's huge. <laughs> God. Yeah, so Dude, any publicity is good publicity. Yeah, let's 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 get into the year in review. So last year, when we did our year in review, we we started off with uh talking about some meme names for the year. You know, so like people say, you know, oh uh uh, well, I guess like the Chinese New Year, there's got like oh the year of the dragon, the rat, whatever, and we we thought we'd we'd dub we'd give some names for the year. So last year, just to refresh everyone's memories, uh, we had the year of Forbidden Tutors, another year of Timna Winter, year of Ranked Ladder, year of Content, and year of the Hulk. So that's what that's what we had going on last year. And this year, we have, uh, we have a few more than that. Well, hang uh, before before we move on there, I, I think some of these in particular... Like year of content last year was when all the content creators got their starts but the, some of the stuff that cdh content creators have been up to this year is pretty awesome like uh, playing with power and the spike feeders and all the collaborations and recognition they've been getting and uh you know talking with the rules committee uh just wanted to acknowledge you know all the content creators out there who uh put in a ton of work and put out some awesome stuff um yeah it's it's really just like picked up a ton, like even just like popularity wise. Oh yeah, like there's there's so much content. Like, yeah, you know, I don't even want to. I don't even want to try to list everyone because there's there's just so many. And like like we we can talk about like there's there's CDH content coming out like almost every day of the week. 
And we have like, like five nights of streaming and yeah, five nights of streaming, you know, podcast episodes, video, epi- video, uh, video content, gameplay. Like there's so much content to digest. It's insane. And we're just, you know, it's, it's really, it's really an awesome time to be playing CDH right now and to be, uh, to be part of this community. But yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about the meme names for this year. Uh, so I'll kick things off and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll go in a, a turn order and, and just, you know, list them. But, uh, yeah, so we've got the first meme name is another year of Timna winter. Uh, cause not much it's has cold. changed on that front. It's, it's cold and it's snowy yeah. out. We're starting to settle in. The trenches have been dug. Dude, sometimes when I, when I look in the mirror, I just see Tim now for a split second. Just, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> we, we, with these, with all of these, we can contextualize them a bit, but we, cause we've got so many, we've got to, uh, we've got to go, we've got to, to be speedy. So, yeah. uh, next up. Uh, yeah. So now we've got year of not splitting the format and, um, yeah, I think we kind of know why this happened, but we'll slowly discover that throughout the rest of this podcast. <laughs> Well, who who put this who put this on here? Who's whose name was this? I did. That was you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, there was there was some uh, some some discussion in the community and like did around happen? a particular event. <laughs> things. I don't know happened. what you're talking about. Yeah. So we, we can we can maybe touch on that a bit more later on, but uh, yeah, it has to do with a very specific rules change. Okay. Uh, next up. Uh, we have the year of the saber tooth, or more accurately, the year of the return of the saber tooth. I guess. Team <laughs> saber tooth is seeing a lot more play outside of Mono Green now. And why is that, Reed? Why well, that's because that? there's a real good card that got printed this year, um, named Dockside Extortionist, which uh, is not a bad one. Oh, yeah. that uh, one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Next up, uh, this is mine. I'll, I'll read this. Sorry, Morgan, uh, for the snipe. Um, yeah, uh, lab. This is uh, year of the lab man. Uh, well, year of the lab man two electric boogaloo, uh, and this is in reference to the printing of uh, Jace Wielder of Mysteries, which is you know a second lab man, and that has definitely we've definitely felt that uh, impact on the meta since that printing. Uh, next up. We've got a string of like four, I think. Oh god, they're great. All right. Um so these are my pitches for Year of the Hulk 2. Um it's a sequel to the Year of the Hulk because it kept going and never really stopped. Uh so these are just some rough outlines of names. Uh let, let me know if any of them strike a chord. We can put it on a marketing poster. Um right, Year of the Hulk 2 Expanded Edition, Year of the Hulk 2 Uncut, Year of the Hulk 2 Revenge of the Slots, Year of the Hulk 2, How the Hell is Flash Illegal? I like Revenge of the Slots. Yeah, like if we're gonna yeah, make it, if we're gonna do a T-shirt or yeah. like, or if we're gonna like, you know, de- if we're gonna like decorate a streetcar or something, I think Year of the Hulk Two Revenge of the Slots. <laughs> I'm I'm a big fan of this next this next one. Uh, so Morgan, do you wanna? wanna sure. Yeah, it's the Year of Food Chain Commanders and the Order of the Sliver, uh, because we got uh, a good solid number of new commanders that work in various different ways with Food Chain and. I've really seen a revival of that archetype. Tazri was and sort of we also kind of just got, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it's. Been- I was gonna say that like we also just kind of got like the best dream food chain commander, you know, to exist. You're talking about Soul, right? 
because you can just pair her with. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, stop he, talking, he's talking about things about... that are obscure. <laughs> I'm um, talking about Omnath. Yeah, talking about Omnath. Uh, so next up, uh, whose is this? Oh, that's mine. Yeah, it's the Year of Mono Blue, because my God, we got a lot of jank Mono Blue commanders this year. What? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> there are just so many Mono Blue decks. Like, okay, we had, we had like historically like you had like Teferi, and then like Kaho, right? Or just like you had like Brawl, maybe. This year we we got like five blue like commanders that actually became like a thing, or like got printed or became real decks. <laughs> It's nuts. Yeah. Uh, this one, this one's a fun one. Uh, so we'll, we'll just go by whoever whoever put them down. So I'm... I'm... Yeah, so I, I put this one down. Okay. Uh, year that Sheldon plays CDH. And that's an actual state statement of fact. He has played CDH this year. Um, but in more general sense, um, you know, the rules committee is being getting involved in some way. You know, maybe just tw- Twitter, but with CDH... And um, I always forget the the name. The Commander Advisory Group. What's their like? They have the Kang. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've I've kind of you know seen CDH and are you know considering it maybe a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll tack on to this. Right, this is kind of the year where like the, I'm trying to remember. Kang Kang was formed. It wasn't this year that it was formed, was it? Or was yes, it? Yes, it was. It was. It wasn't the end of last year. Okay. Or at least it was this year that maybe it was announced at the end of last year, but it was certainly formed, and they had their first meeting in charter this year. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, this is the year where um, everyone's just kind of started bugging, bugging uh, Shivam on on Twitter and <laughs> to to you know ban Flash and blah blah blah. But no, like we, there's been a. A large uh, effort put forth by the CDH community and, and members of the CDH community to reach out to the CAG and you know petition for you know flash ban or uh, whatnot, and it's it's really the uh, a, a small step towards the uh, the end goal of getting flash bridging. Ban. Br- no, <laughs> I was gonna say bridging <laughs> the, the, the the divide between the sort of casual and and CDH uh groups and and sort of like the the negative stereotypes and, and perceptions that people have right like i think this is the uh, this year was we took a major step towards um shedding the stigma of all cdh players are or pub stompers like i think this was the first year where uh, or the first time it was this year where sheldon said that cdh is like a legitimate way to play which is i suppose I mean, it, it nothing immediately came out of that, but I think it was pretty like kind of a significant thing to say from the person who's the head of the format. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. Like, it, it doesn't seem like a lot, but I think like that statement actually sort of needed to be said, and it's great that it did. Yeah, and and there's lots of other small things along that front that like we could talk about, or I think we've we've also talked about in earlier episodes of the show. Um, but yeah, I I, I definitely look forward to uh the future and and hopefully uh more more conversation between you know figureheads of the cdh community and and members of the rc or keg and you know other other pillars of the community and for for casual and, and all the different power levels and hopefully hopefully everything everything continues going in this in this direction uh but yeah uh next <clears throat> up 
We have the year of the five color. Um, I'm fairly sure our the number of five color commanders available to play like almost doubled this year alone, right? I think um, we got five yeah. out of twenty-two-ish. Mean... <laughs> uh, okay, well, real five color commanders, okay. <laughs> existent five color commanders. Sure, sure. I mean, basically all the five color commanders that got printed this year um, are like playable in some form or another in the context of CDH. Um, I can think of a notable are, are, exception. Like, <laughs> well, do, would you like do, to expand? Uh, yeah, I don't think Morophon is CDH playable. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> that was mine. Dude, Morophon Flash Hulk <laughs> is so real, close. man. Stop it. I was yeah, going to say Golos, mm. but I don't want to, like, you know, offend anyone here. <laughs> Golos isn't playable at any power level. There's no good Golos decks. <laughs> it's actually so true. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, anything else, Reed, you want to say on the year five color besides a lot of five color cards were printed? Uh, let's just hope it doesn't continue, because they're all just, oh, it's the worst. They're all just bad versions of each other that are just, like, five-color infinite mana outlets. Yeah, I <laughs> think every time, this is something every that's been talked on, fail. on uh, other, other uh, EDH podcasts, and I think there's something we've we've mentioned or referenced in, in previous episodes, but we haven't actually, like, talked about it on, like, a full episode, but the five-color problem, where... The, because the generic card quality of five color and is just you know you can include any cards in your deck and you're not punished by having um you know restricted mana bases because you know with the full sets of fetches abr duels um shocks and you know all the rainbow lands you can make a functional five color mana base you can just run like good stuff decks but it's all capped off on the fact that there's just solid um, non-commander-based win cons that are available. So Flash Hulk, uh, Consult, um, and as Reed was saying, lots of these are just infinite mana outlets. So you know stuff like uh, Dramatic Scepter. These kinds of these kinds of decks are just so easy to make and play, and they've got they really they've got a floor to the, how powerful they can be. So it's only I don't think I don't think there's much good. That's going to come out of them continuing to print more, you know, busted five color commanders or even the mediocre ones they're printing. They're really uh, pushing limits, I think. I think there's more to come out of like non good stuff five color commanders. And as like a secondary point, I think this point in general is largely um, relevant too with four color commanders. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, okay. And the final one, and this is mine. And it is the year of the Ristic Study. And the reason I have this is because, uh, I mean, Ristic Study is a card that was seen play last year and obviously years before that. But uh, this is a year that for whatever reason, people have kind of like clued in that this card isn't just for, you know, very niche grindy decks. Um, as the meta has transitioned towards more mid-range and grindy uh, strategies, people are finding that Ristic Study is turning out to be a decent card and it's getting included in a lot more places than it was in the past. So I did name it the year of the Ristic study, but you know, you could just as well call this the year of mid range or grindy value or whatever. Uh, and yeah, 
that puts an end to all of our meme names of the year. I look forward to seeing what they're going to be next year. You know, compared to last year, we've got so many more and they're much more interesting in my opinion. So <laughs> we'll probably probably see some crazy, crazy uh, new names for next year. Uh, yeah, so we've got our next uh, uh, segment, I suppose, when that's uh, decks that are enabled by new cards um, or just, you know, new decks. Until uh, so those are going to be like car, uh, uh, the commander was printed this year. Um, and they're all decks that are CDH viable. So we can just, we're, we're going to hammer off the list real quick because we do not have enough time to talk about each and every one of these decks in depth, even even mildly in depth. There's just not not enough time because there is a lot. And this is this is there's, something that we can talk so about. Many. I mean, honestly, I'm going to retroactively add on something to the year year meme names. And this is the year of good cards being printed because <laughs> we had so many crazy sets just adding playables and new commanders and you look back to we were looking over the show notes that we did for last year's year in review and there was just so much more that we were trying to fit into this episode uh so it is it is great to see and i mean they've already announced for 2020 right like they're the uh the new commander decks for every every set or whatever right like no was it for every set i'm trying to remember what the announcement was do you, do you guys remember? I, I don't remember. They're doing a lot yeah. of stuff, though. Yeah, they're doing a lot. They've yeah. got like a commander specific draft set coming out, regular commander decks, commander decks with each of the uh, standard sets, or I think as the, most of the standard sets. But yeah, so it's going to be crazy next year. And it's kind of even hard to imagine after this insane year we've had with, you know, War of the Spark, um, Modern Horizons, like it just endlessly, endlessly printing good cards. But yeah, so without further ado, uh, does someone want to just kind of list these off? Yeah, all right, I can handle this one. Uh, all right, so speed run. Commander's printed this year. We got Fibblefip, we got Kenrith, we got Golos, we got Five Color Sisse, we got Niv-Mizzet Perrin, we got the First Sliver, we got Corvold, we got Anye, Anjay, God Eternal Kefnet, Kikar, Elsha, we got Crick, Vanifar, Holland, Atla Polani, Yarok, Urza, and Yogmoth. Oh. We got them all. So yeah, these are that's not all... even all of them. <laughs> we we even omitted stuff like that are that are not really like lists that the people have made for like the database and stuff like that. So like uh Emery was one that was like briefly considered with like not even included. Just I mean, I guess I mentioned it there. But the, the Emery tier stuff, like there is still stuff that, that people could make, you know, tier 2.53 CDH decks, and we we can't cover them all like these are just decks that that are all on the database and it's it's just crazy it's crazy to me how many cards how many commanders were printed this year that people have been able to turn into something that's like even just a little bit competitive and some of these are, are fairly decent right i mean i mean Urza, oh, yeah. obviously but but you know you you can play uh kenrith as a solid deck uh we mentioned niv mizzet you know first liver solid upgrades to the uh to the food chain strategy um people play uh or i mean <laughs> before urza people were talking about you know god eternal kefnan is an interesting uh interesting model blue commander kaikar elsha very interesting just guy commanders like it's crazy it is crazy how many like viable commanders were printed this year it's, it's yeah. actually just like so ridiculous <laughs> 
and I, I'm only expecting more in the in the next year. It's unbelievable. Uh, but yeah, so that, those were the the new commanders that were printed this year that are that are competitively viable. But then we've also got just a little subcategory here, and those are uh, decks that are enabled by new cards that were printed. Uh, so Morgan, do you want to you want to list these? Sure. Uh, so we have Opus Thief, which was enabled by the printing of both Smothering Tithe and Narset. Uh, Kefnet the Mindful, which was enabled by the printing of Mystic Sanctuary. Consult decks, which were largely enabled by the printing of Jace. Uh, Blue Pod, which was enabled by the printing of uh, Prime Speaker Vanifar. And Red Hulk, which was enabled by the printing of Incubation Druid. And yeah, so much nice. stuff with Incubation <laughs> Druid stuff. <laughs> yeah, so we want to just kind of get these listed out of the way, but we, we also want to dive a bit. We, we each picked one of these commanders or, you know, new newly printed commanders or decks that were uh, newly enabled to talk about a bit more in depth. So we'll just we'll, we'll go on that. So, Matt, do you want to you, you've got the first one on this list. Well, what, what are we going to talk about? Yeah, so uh, my pick is Urza and um, I specifically picked Urza because I'm a long-time mono blue player, and I, you know, I love a good mono blue deck. Um, but what sets Urza, you know, apart um, from the rest of the decks is it kind of solves the eternal problem, which is blocking and just kind of dying to combat damage in blue, and also having like consistent value and great synergy. Um, Urza is fantastic. We did say, um, you know, as kind of a meme title, like this year is the year of Mono Blue. But even though there are all these new Mono Blue strategies, Urza is just, you know, obviously superior, and I'm really happy to see it. It's like such a step and a half above anything else. Yeah, it's it's, it's so nice to have. <laughs> Dude, a lot more. of people thought Urza would be broken, and like, I'm sure there was a thread on Reddit that was like. Is Urza going to get banned or something, if I remember correctly? But, you know, as we can see, Urza is clearly, you know, a solid contender. Maybe not tier one, but absolutely solid contender. I actually thought Urza might get banned just because it's a card that makes casual players put Winter and Static Orb in their decks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's... Yeah, it's not ideal. Like, it's the Honestly, same thing with Leovold, where yeah. it, and it, like the way you would naturally build the deck, even if you weren't trying to be competitive, you just put in cards that made it really unfun for everyone else. I think it was, mm -hmm. it was yeah. I think there's a slight difference. Card. Yeah. Like with Leovold, it's 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 like exactly built into the card where with Urza it's like more yeah. of a synergy based thing. Honestly though, on Urza, if you had told me at the beginning of last year that in a year's time like the one of the commanders that would win combat the hardest in the format would be mono blue i would have told you you were insane yeah and what if i told you that this mono blue deck that's an artifact deck is not going to lose to null rod i absolutely had proof i had it written down for years that they would print and no, i'm just kidding i've i'm actually blown away <laughs> yeah it's insane god insane <laughs> Yeah, Urza, Urza really, you know, steps up the uh, the threshold for, for what constitutes a, a really good, you know, monocolor commander. <laughs> it's going to be hard to hard for them to, to power creep beyond that, honestly. God. 
go to oh, they will. for what could be. Don't even. They will. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Please yeah. don't. Like, just they don't. Have, they have 72 chances in a single set to mess something up this hard. I'm not gonna... <laughs> like, Urza, Urza is, like, honestly the perfect CDH card, except for the fact that its ability can't be used to kind of generate, you know, it's not like a Thrasios, right? You can't just use it to like can't s- draw, right? Man, if only it could bypass timing restrictions. Wow, like, why uh, why can't Urza be an even better card than it already is? <laughs> yeah, it's God. just it's so insane. Um, but yeah, so that's that's Urza. Uh, Morgan, you're you're up next. Yeah, so my pick was Opus Thief. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, it was enabled largely by the printing first of Smothering Tithe and then of Narset. But it's just like a, a really interesting way of approaching a deck where instead of either a few interdependent or sorry, sort of separate combos or having a primary plan and a backup plan, it has like an, a set of A's and a set of B's in its A plus B combo where you can kind of just combine any two of them. So you have like your four or five wheel effects and your four or five payoffs. And with the exception of Waste Knot, which doesn't pay off on all the wheels, you can just combine any two to have a really beneficial and possibly game-ending effect, depending on you know the, the conditions you're looking at. Um, and it's also, I think it's now like potentially well-placed to fight decks that are looking to just sit back and draw cards and develop on the board. Uh, and Smothering Tithe is a sweet card, and so is Narset, and Wheels are just a lot of fun. And uh, Mnemonic Betrayal, which was printed at the end of last year, but that's just a card that's really fun to use, and like, I definitely... <laughs> it wins the game a lot, like, almost all the time, but... <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes <It's>, you just <laughs> I mean obviously people don't play it when it's bad but it's it's a pretty sweet card. Yes. It's kind of it's kind of interesting if you think about like Opus Thief. I mean the the deck itself is kind of a fusion between decks that have existed in the past but it's got a, enough, you know, cr- a, it's a critical mass of cards enabled to to enable this particular strategy um with this set of colors and 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 these particular cards. So like what I mean is that you know the kind of more controlly, you know, slow grindy decks that that uh, that have very similar cards in the core have existed in the past, but you know, obviously, like a Leovold Wheels deck was definitely a thing when Leovold was around, uh, and it's it's kind of interesting to see that a deck you know rise uh, rise back you know from the ashes and you know represent that wheels that wheel strategy that were that, that dedicated wheel strategy again. That being said, you know, please never ban, please never unban Leovold. Keep that card gone forever. <laughs> this, is, this is such a strict divide in the middle of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, like, Opus Thief as well is just, like, quite possibly one of the most fun decks in the format right now, too. Like, that deck is so incredibly fun to play. Who just love drawing cards, man? <laughs> yeah, like, basically, right? <laughs> You just get to slam like all these just like wheels that like are sort of terrible but also sort of great. <laughs> Each piece is also like pretty good by itself, and you kind of find random decks accidentally assembling 
you know the opus thief type combo <laughs> yeah yeah um okay i think that's that's enough for opus thief i've got uh my pick next and it's a big one and that's consult decks and you know we, we when we were making this there i was like i'm not i'm just gonna put console decks because there's way too many individual commanders that are you know console strategies that are that fit into this category so like just name a few zer uh cast consult uh, cst like and, and there's more i mean there's more just like fringe decks that, that have adopted this strategy because it's become so strong now that you've got um the two A plus B pieces. So Morgan was saying that that Opus Thief really benefits from having you know multiple redundant A plus B combos mix and match. Uh, you know, Consult really is showing that you know having that second piece adds a, a layer of uh, consistency and redundancy that just makes you a bit more resilient. Uh, not to mention that Jace is also just you know sick because you don't need a, a draw card effect. You know, you just Jace consult tick up. So Jace really, really brought these decks that were already an existing strategy, but pushed them to the point where they're now, you know, probably the front runner in terms of, uh, I mean, I, I honestly think like, like there's a debate in the community between about uh, consult versus Hulk in terms of what's the better uh, non-commander dependent strategy. And it's it's tough, man. It's really tough, and and that's kind of crazy to say. That there. Why be not just combine that, that... them both? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, uh, sacred well, Hulk is do certainly all of it. <laughs> yeah, it's certainly a thing, but uh, yeah, I, I just think it's it's had had someone told me last year that Hulk would be threatened by a different, you know, non-commander uh, dependent strategy. I would have been you know, pretty shocked. But I guess, I guess it was kind of like missing exactly one piece, which makes it seem like that's so, so obvious, but really, really, this is, I mean, this is kind of like, I, I'm not sure we were ever expecting for them to just like print another lab man, except the thought scout attacked on like, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think that was even like in the realm of conception for, for me before I saw the card. Right. Yeah. But yeah, just just to talk about like we we mentioned uh, in the, in the meme names of the year, Labman Two, Electric Boogaloo. Like it's the the year before that, we also gave the name Year of the Forbidden Tutors. Like so, Forbidden Tutors have been on kind of a tear over the past uh, two years. You know, first being used just to uh, or being included more just for value pieces that also you know combo with Labman for you know a, a solid, which was t- was typically the the B plan uh, decks with Labman and Consult for the most part. Um, but, you know, really, really coming to his own as both just strong value pieces and nice, compact, resilient, uh, combos just allows you to play better, good stuff decks, you know, and that's, that's, uh, it's it, like decks that weren't even on, um, strategies that, that you would think are adopting consult, right? Like Zer, there was consult Zer list before, but it's really come to the forefront and almost merged, um, with some of the shimmers or decks, which is kind of crazy to think about that people would merge these two decks, but you know, that's, there is a massive incentive to be running these cards and uh, lots of people are, are jumping on that bandwagon. I think what really illustrates this for me is that two years ago, tainted pact was a dollar. One year ago it was $5 and now it's $20. <laughs> yeah. 
And I'm pretty yeah, sure it's yeah. not because people are playing it in Legacy. Yeah, I mean, you never know, man. <laughs> people, <laughs> people just pick up random cards sometimes. But yeah, like just it, the insane uptick is, yeah, is like actually just ridiculous. Yeah, so we'll, we'll be we'll be talking about uh, console. I'll be making uh, some more appearances throughout the episode, but uh, without you know spending too much more time on this, Reed, you got the. Uh, the last one for this and this the last one so I, I wanted to talk about uh red hulk a bit um because it's sort of exploded in popularity over the last year uh especially since the printing of incubation druid in rna um so typically the pile will consist of something like torch courier plus incubation druid plus vigin craft mage and which makes infinite commando of all colors of lands that you control i guess uh but um, it was really sort of like the culmination of the work that people had been doing on Hulk in general last year, plus the sort of like the theoretical piles that people have been coming up with to make Torch Courier work in Hulk piles. So like what used to be uh, Pillapala uh, piles, which nobody wanted to play because they're terrible. Um, but we actually then got an actual fine dork printed that didn't just lose to Nelrod as well as all the Hulk hate. Uh, and people sort of start doing all that stuff and i think like a lot of the decks that came out of that were really cool um initially with like thrasios plus file smasher uh which i believe took that i, th I think took a tournament earlier in the year i don't think it was last year yeah it, it, it definitely was this year um it, uh, it made it to the finals right made it to the final sorry it didn't didn't take the entire tournament but i uh, took it to the finals um, and that deck was pretty sick as well as just stuff in general, like being developed out of that once it got a bit of visibility. And now with the printing of Kenrith, just like getting a whole new look at it and people trying to make it work. Cause you could also do like putting one, one counters on to your incubation druid with Kenrith and all that stuff. And one all other, right. one other thing I wanted to highlight about that archetype as a Hulk deck is that first you have. You have a three-card Hulk package, um, which is quite nice when you compare it to something like Breakfast or Shuffle. Like, yeah. Obviously, it doesn't have it the same very sort of level of compactancy, but it's very small and compact. And also, with the prevalence of Hulk comes the prevalence of Hulk hate. And if you run, I mean, first of all, theoretically, Incubation Druid and Vigian Graph Mage is a combo, regardless of if you get them off Hulk, but... Also, if you're running just the similar effects, you can run your Freed from the Real or Pemanzora, and then things like Bloom Tender or Faber or Elder. Um, and then you do actually have a plan that doesn't just fold to Rest in Peace or Grafdigger's Cage. And particularly Kenrith is very good at enabling that because he can give those pieces haste so you don't have to have them sit and play. And you can also just make Incubation a reasonable card on its own because not having to pay a full five mana into it without getting any other benefit is pretty nice. <laughs> and you can put counters on stuff to enable the Graph Mage. You don't have to play Graph Mage first. Yes, which is a big one. So manual assembly is actually like almost reasonable. I mean, kind of still five mana, but it's it's more reasonable than it would be otherwise. Yeah, and if you got, and then if you also got training grounds and biomancers familiar in play, so like that all just costs one mana. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just costs like absolutely nothing to get going. But yeah, I just, I just wanted to put a spotlight on that stuff a bit and talk about that because I think that was a really cool thing that came out of this year um, because it's sort of a departure from the classic Hulk stuff that we've seen 
for a lot of the existence, especially from last year, whereas a lot of like graveyard based stuff and just like leaning into all the piles for this year, infinite mana stuff is all the rage apparently. So, yeah, well, uh, that, that wraps it up for the decks enabled by new cards slash uh, new commanders printed. And we're going to move into the new brews slash deck updates of this year. Um, so these are going to be decks that are. Uh, or they're more or less just so so the new brews are our decks that kind of took existing cards and just and took them in, in a new direction that wasn't seen that's this, that's novel so uh you know last year i think we, we talked about divergent um divergent decks and you know divergent transformations had been out for a bit so it was just people you know taking a look at at, at the existing card pool and and putting them together in, in some interesting ways so First on this, I want to talk about uh, is is Aminatu. So Aminatu came out uh, in Commander twenty eighteen, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it's been been around for for about a year, but it was really wasn't until this year with uh, I think it was it's, it's Francis, correct? Who yeah. who made the uh, the primer? Yeah. So Francis really took a, a solid look at Aminatu and tried to just push that deck to its limits, um, and it was certainly helped by some of the new cards that were printed um uh namely you've got the witch claw talisman uh mystic sanctuary like you know solid cards to flicker but the the core strategy of like an esper control deck with like good flicker synergies is something that you know was out there beforehand but just needed uh, a little bit of love i suppose well you also uh, got uh spark double oh yeah that's true that's true um yeah, so so Aminatu, solid bit of life got breathed into that deck. Uh we've also got First Sliver on here, which is kind of like a deck update, but it's also, you know, kind of fits into the last category we talked about. So uh we'll we'll talk about this one a bit uh in a later category. Um but yeah, so do you guys want to cover the uh, next few? Sure. Uh I'll take this one. So the next one we have is Sigil Tracer. Uh we saw First, we saw the um, Sigil Hulk brew, which is where you Hulk and you get Sigil Tracer and Spellseeker to find Dramatic Reversal, and then that gives you your two wizards to repeatedly copy the Dramatic Reversal, and obviously that layers well if you're playing a Scepter uh, Thrasios deck already. Um, and then it's found a home in a few other decks, particularly decks where you're looking to grind, uh, often with Thrasios because Thrasios is also a wizard. It can just kind of sit in play and slowly generate value, like just copy tutors, copy removal, copy counter spells. Like literally my joking description of this card is if it lives a turn cycle, it basically says at the beginning of your upkeep, you get an emblem with 45 minutes later, you win the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like if it stays around for long enough, eventually it will decide games. Um, and like if you look at the other options um none of them tend to copy all spells they tend to copy your spells which is like such a crucial difference oh yeah 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 so so Sigil tracer what are what are all the decks that it's appeared in it's because it's been quite a few right yeah so it it goes in uh the sigil hook deck it goes in uh enala it goes in um any 
of the Thrasios decks that are potentially lower color or different color combinations, often leveraging Dockside, um, that style of deck. Um, you could theoretically put it in Kess, although I'm not sure how great that is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Wizards all day. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, Sigil, Sigil Tracer, uh, definitely a cool cool piece of tech that uh, that got dragged out of the uh, the rough. Dragged um, out of the depths of jank from Scryfall. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, every now and then, you know, you just gotta you just gotta go on Scryfall and look at every single magic card ever printed. And... I mean, yeah, dude. <laughs> Not gonna lie. I, I don't do every single magic card ever printed, but I've definitely looked through like I've done searches that return like six hundred results and just been like, I'm just gonna go through all these. Yep. I've <laughs> definitely done the same. I think I did every land. I think I've done every land there's, a couple times. There's definitely something to be said for thinking about like a deck that you want to play and being like, what what card could make this playable? And then just searching Oracle text that would sort of fit that and try to look through Scryfall. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so next up, mm-hmm, who's going to cover this one? Reed, how about you? <laughs> Sounds good. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, so Metapod was the thing this year. Got me this year. Good job. Good shit. <laughs> we, um, but but we, but but yeah. Blood Pod was already a thing. That's it been was around al- for a while. It was already a thing, except it never really adapted to the decks that came out. That sort of shit all over what Blood Pod was all about. So mm. so Metapod. turns out z- dunking on Zer isn't that great in 2019. <laughs> God. Yeah, it it turns out that like just putting a Trinisphere into play isn't actually that good when it just taxes the <laughs> flash one more mana and protects them from packs and force of wills. <laughs> um yeah, uh Metapod, the for those of you who don't know, the effort at updating Bloodpod to fit more to the needs of stacks in the current meta, current year, um was really sort of like Maybe not enabled by new stuff. I mean, it definitely got upgrades, right? Like, you got Deafening Silence, which is a great one. And it got Collector Roof, which is a pretty huge one. Um, but really just, like, took inspiration and saw new cards coming out and just readapted it. Made it work. Yeah. Also, uh, the, nice. the Splinter Twin Goblin Sharpshooter line was really slick. I'm a fan of that. <laughs> Super yeah, that's spicy. Cool. Um... Matt, you wanna you wanna get this next one? Sure. So the next one we have is CST, which um, of course stands for Consult Scepter Thrasios. Uh, this kind of came out of the Paradox Engine ban, um, where it's like, okay, what the hell? What's next? Um, and it turns out uh, it makes a lot of sense. And actually, you know, Consult, as we've discussed already, is like super strong, and um, having a value based commander in the command zone helps a lot. Um, and you know, possibly um, some other synergies with layering. Yeah. Anyone yeah. else have any thoughts there? Yeah, I heard that uh, uh, from our resident uh, CDH. Sorry, not CDH. Our resident CST <laughs> player in uh, in Kingston. That uh, you know, people in the CST community were, or sorry, in the PST. Oh my God, all these acronyms. Uh, <laughs> PST was. They were they were already thinking of switching or not switching, but like they were slowly transitioning towards you know consult strategies before the paradox engine ban. Um, so this really just obviously gave them the push to kind of go down that front. But 
it's very possible that the deck would have evolved to look more like CST does today than uh, old PST lists given enough time. If Paradox Engine were unbanned, is it just an auto-include, or would uh, it actually be kind of like a decision to make? I, no, I do not I think have you the level of just... expertise in that deck, so like I, I can't definitively answer. But yeah, it's definitely. I uh, guess it depends how creature-heavy your list is, but I don't. I don't my, really know. My hot, my hot take is that it it wouldn't have been an auto-include according to lots of people, but it should have been. Like my experience playing yeah. that card in Kess is just you play it, and then people are like. My swan song flusterstorm and dispel. You're not casting ad nauseum. Wait, that's illegal. And then like, I, I did. Yeah, paradox I engine did. resolves way more than like ad nauseum, and yeah. is pretty pretty much every bit as good when it does. Yeah, it like I I think it is an auto include. But yeah, like uh, even yeah before paradox engine got banned, like it wasn't even like like people were like thinking of transitioning towards like i remember like specifically like shaper was like yeah i'm i'm playing the console package in my local meta and i'm thinking of changing over the stock list to also play the console package um before there was even any talk of changing any band so yeah so don't don't just think this is a uh, a deck you know struggling to survive after after the ban and you know just kind of limping on. No, this is this thing is every bit the same beast, you know, to reckon with in the format as uh as PST was. So look look forward to, to that in the in the coming year. So uh next up uh we've got Reed's favorite uh custom brew and that's gonna be his cinnamon mid range something. <laughs> I, I didn't even I didn't even put this on the list. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I so I'm just being I'm just being shoveled in to explain it. <laughs> I mean yeah, so as a as a it's, more it's general a thing, brew, right? yeah. As as like a more general note, um this sort of relates more to like the rise of mid range, I think. Rather than like the specific deck, um, and people like actually now playing sort of like as we said before in the year of the Rustic Study comment, um, people people are playing slower cards now. They're playing value engines. They're they're jamming stuff that doesn't necessarily actually win the game on its own, but uh, but draws cards, makes mana. So yeah, this this deck is like the epitome of the mid-range race to the bottom you know just <laughs> everyone trying the year to is 20 xx yeah. yeah value pieces into their decks <laughs> it's, it's, I think it's kind of a like... statement of kind of like a, a statement of hulk acceptance i think uh i think hulk was kind of like oh crap like there's the fastest deck like we should try to race it but now it's like okay everyone has their hulk package and they can pull off their you know their early turn hulk combos but what do we do when that doesn't happen well, I think that the thing is that everyone is is holding up their interaction because Hulk can go off at instant speed, and so it makes it harder to be greedy. So when everyone's in this massive, you know, sandbag war with counter magic and interaction, who's going to win that kind of game? Well, probably the player who's you know generating you know continuous card advantage and mana advantage through all these mid range pieces. And also, when you slam a Ristic study, somebody with a counter spell up is going. Okay, I can counter this Rhystic Study, but what if I just get flash hulked by one of the other players at the table? So, like, it's certainly preying on the fact that people need to uh, need to hold up mana for interaction for 
the the threat of Flash Hulk. This I- is why you don't counter Linvala and you don't remove Linvala, guys. <laughs> Holy crap! I, I think uh, I think we we missed a meme name, which is that this is the year of mana. Like just the rise of you know your Faberro and Bloom Tender and Priest of Titania and just activating Thrasios a million times as your path to winning the game. And sitting back and sandbagging and leaning on some value engines and just having you're just talking about our local meta i have genuinely no idea but that sounds exactly like the only the decks we play (laughs) it's It's not just just our local meta (laughs) every for some reason everybody just suddenly became okay with paying four mana for an opt every turn i don't know man (laughs) feels good (laughs) yeah uh next up we've got morgan uh, we have uh, Divergent, and as we mentioned, uh, Divergent Transformations, as we mentioned last year, people were starting to to play around with this card, um, but we saw a few big things this year. First of all, uh, the printing of Nimizit Perun uh, definitely gave sort of the most obvious compact pile with Nimizit Perun and Tandem Lookout, where it wins the game and it doesn't lose to notably Cursed Totem which was sort of an unfortunate thing that we saw with the Whirlpool Rider Notion Thief piles. Um, and so you, you have that aspect of it. And then also you have, um, like, Kikar was printed as a new commander who obviously enables it super well, uh, both by generating the tokens for it and also letting you play some sort of um, some sort of future site top combo payoff, which also just synergizes really well with kickar in the first place which i think now was elsha and spellseeker which as the like as your two you know meme creatures in a deck that sounds like you'd be hard pressed to come up with a combo that sounds better as the creatures you have to run to enable the combo than spellseeker and elsha nice um yeah absolutely yeah so the the final list here, the final the final card we have on this list, uh, is Veralls, and I put this on. Which I read what not one. Guys, 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 please fill all my decks for me. <laughs> yeah, so this actually Veralls appeared on our list last year, um, and that was due to things like uh, Mausoleum Secrets or uh, some additional tutors that were printed. But this year. Uh, it's because of the brand spanking new lesser Masticor. Uh, so we're all, we can we can kind of spin this into a larger conversation about you know even more Hulk piles, the year of the Hulk two, blah blah blah. Like, isn't Veral's the deck that's like least least benefits from that? Because it already had a sack outlet consistently. Uh, no, actually, excuse you. Um, th- this is actually. <laughs> Fairly, this is actually this is actually a pretty big deal um, because even without having to multi hulk, you can first pile just get Sylvan Safekeeper, which is like sort of nuts. I guess. Yeah. Oh, um, I mean, you know, Vrals doesn't have four mana draw a card on it, right? <laughs> you know, I never noticed. <laughs> so yeah. so you definitely all these don't years feel a lack of, of card it. draw and card advantage in that deck at all. No, you just kill them before it matters. <laughs> Easy. Yeah. Do you? Right, right. <laughs> hey, you shush. You I don't need the sass. I'm out. Study, I quit. <laughs> yeah, so that that's that was the the last I'm, update. I'm gonna go back um, to playing Prater's Grass to get people's flashes out of their deck. 
<laughs> Dude, you've got all the value options like runic armosaur and compost. And, and ad nauseum. <laughs> sure, okay, fine. <laughs> what more could you possibly need? But yeah, so uh, Azrael's, uh, I mean, the Hulk piles that it made, it, it, they just tend to be better Hulk piles, so it's not, you know, super common that you're going to see better commanders piles. And better color combinations. Better. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying, but I'm saying like in, in you guys, standard TNT Hulk list, you're not going to see lesser mass decor that often just because there tend to be better piles. But uh, yeah, that's that's uh, that's about it for for this section. Uh, so moving on, we've got a brief section in terms of content. But I mean, we, we could talk about the implications of this section for a while. And we've already covered it a bit. And that's going to be uh, rule changes because there were some rule changes this year. So right off the bat, uh, we've got the London Mulligan, which, you know, I remember, I'm trying to remember back to our episode when we covered the London Mulligan for the first time, and I think we thought it was going to be way more impactful than it was, or than it ended up being. Uh, It's not to say the London Mulligan hasn't been impactful, but I think just the fact is, the fact of the matter is that you just don't want to be mulliganing down to, you know, five or six. um, We definitely said that. I definitely called that. That was definitely a thing that I mentioned. We definitely Did said we you shouldn't be modifying yeah. your decks to try and take advantage of the London Mulligan. Okay, that was yeah, a thing I, that we said. This is my Alzheimer's, you know, kicking in already. <laughs> old man <laughs> but, London. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, yeah. So, so that that's definitely that's definitely true. But I, I seem to remember there being lots of lots of hype at the time about uh, the London Mulligan and people saying that you know oh, this is just you know. Hulk didn't need any more help and blah blah blah. It's gonna oh god, this is gonna be so awful. Like from my from my experience, it just eliminates the amount of non-games. Um so as someone who didn't really play Hulk before the London Mulligan, I've recently started playing various Hulk decks, and I notice that I seem to take advantage of the London Mulligan in a way that I didn't when I was playing non-Hulk decks. I like I, again, I don't think this is like a massive impact that warps, you know, the performance numbers to a point that it would be sort of noticeable without really looking for it. But it certainly seems like when I'm when I am forced to mulligan in Hulk, I oftentimes like feel pretty good where I would imagine not having the London Mulligan would have felt pretty bad. Yeah, it's really like it, it improves the quality of your forced mulligans, I'd say, more than like encouraging you to mulligan more. I don't I don't think I mulligan more aggressively. I just feel less punished for having to mulligan. So basically agreeing with what you're saying. Um because yeah beforehand like if you mull a six some like you mull a six and then also get a piece stuck in your hand and that just feels like absolute garbage. Um, whereas now it's, I multi six, I draw seven cards, there's a piece in there, I throw it back, I now have six good cards. Yeah, I guess, like, so it is, what it is doing is it is eliminating, or, like, reducing the amount of non-games, but I think that those non-games were actually an important and fair drawback to Hulk decks that were partially eliminated or reduced. And, like, yeah, it, obviously it sucks, you don't want non-games, but when you play a strategy like that, that is supposed to be one of the risks you accept. 
Like it's the yeah. same thing with a deck like like Neo Brand in Modern. Like sometimes you just draw the wrong pieces and your deck does nothing. Yeah. And then we went, no, let's make sure that doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so the next, and this is certainly the most uh, ground, you know, earth-shaking, earth-shattering, sky-is-falling kind of rule change that happened uh, this year, and that's going to be the Paradox Engine ban. And I mean, other stuff happened, uh, like, you know, Iona was banned, Painter Servant unbanned, but, you know, in TDH, the only real thing that matters is Paradox Ban. Uh, so, who wants to uh, to kick thing kick off the discussion on this one? One of the most powerful cards in recent CD, or EDH history is banned. I think this hurts a lot of competitive decks. Uh, hurts a lot of casual decks. Um, but in the end, I think. It was ultimately worth the ban. What do you guys think? For casual decks. Uh, I, yeah, I for think, casual decks. I think the sure. ban had, like, acted on its intended purpose almost to a T in non-competitive environments. I, also, I think, who, who can say they didn't see this coming? I think, I think it was very warranted. I think when you... Like it, it's effectively the same thing as Prophet of Crufix was, right? Where as soon as somebody lands a Paradox Engine in a non-competitive environment, they're not going to immediately win the game, but suddenly they're taking, and I think I discussed this when it got banned, but suddenly they're taking like 90% of the game actions for the rest of the game. And it's now one person playing Solitaire with quick breaks for other people to make their land drop and cast a spell every turn. Yeah, five mana really omniscience like- is pretty good. I, I do I do wish they like had acted a little faster because uh, I think I think it's an unfortunate situation and I understand that sometimes it can't be helped um where basically you just kind of have to flirt with banning a card for months like we've seen it in standard as well with like uh with Sahili Felidar Guardian where and you know some of the bannings in the Kaladesh time where like they kept sort of like oh well let's see if this fixes it but honestly, like, the problems with Paradox Engine were apparent immediately, like, 17 seconds after the card was printed. Like, someone read it, thought about it, and then went, wait, what? And nothing had changed. Um, so, like, I do wish that they sort of acted a little faster, because the, the longer you wait, the more people are like, well, I guess they've determined it's actually not too bad. And so it feels much and more buy, arbitrary. Like five copies, lol. <laughs> not even, not even that. But I mean, I owned two copies. It was probably, the, I think it was but the like, most expensive card I actually owned duplicates of. But that wasn't why I cared. It just when you go five ban announcements, going, we're looking at Paradox Engine and not banning it. It gives people the impression that you looked at Paradox Engine and decided not to ban it. Not that you know it's still under consideration. And I got the uh, I got the pre-release promo Paradox Engine because I knew that I wanted to remember this day or the day that EDH was changed forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. I like people knew at that time this card was insane and that it was people were expecting it to be banned for a long time. So I mean, yeah, that kind of feeds into what Morgan was saying. But 
also the the rc has definitely established a pattern of not being reactionary like they're not they're not like uh watsi where you know they've got tournament tournament formats to uh to you know maintain and and you know this kind of level of competitive play is not something they're trying to balance for so they, they want to avoid uh you know unfun scenarios but they also don't want to be they, they don't want to be you know too hasty in their decisions they don't want to ban something prematurely so like i can respect them for that and they've definitely followed that sort of pattern in the past so i mean i can i can see where you're coming from but at the same time i think that the info was out there i think that there's a line between not being too hasty with your ban decisions which i totally understand and two and a half years of letting the card live yeah like that it's certainly not i'm not saying they should have banned it you know three months after it came out but like a year in it everyone knew what the card did and nothing nothing that i can see changed between a year into paradox engine and the next 18 months that should realistically have made a difference yeah so we can we can this there's there's a bit more to talk about in terms of paradox engine ban and that's kind of the broader impact it had on the cdh community and you know yeah, everyone's can, reaction yeah. to the paradox engine ban so we, we kind of alluded to this um in our meme meme names where what was what was it called uh the year of not splitting the format so there was a whole lot of drama on like the uh cdh subreddit and surrounding the paradox group band. and discords yeah oh, everywhere everywhere but uh for me like I, I was mostly following the uh the subreddit and and discord i don't, I don't know what's going on, in, on on the facebook groups but uh yeah there was there was a ton of drama you know people wanting to create separate ban lists um in fact, members of the CAG and RC were kind of, you know, saying, like, why don't you just go make your own ban list? Uh, people in the community being, like, very split on whether or not they wanted separate ban lists. Um, and kind of, you know, people respected figures of or, like, figureheads of the CDH community kind of, you know, coming down and saying, like, nah, this is not, not going to happen. We're not going to split the format. Kind of, you know, I guess there was, like, a... a post i'm trying to remember this there was like a post on like the response to the paradox engine oh no this is the response to people's outrage calling for a separate uh format posted by the mods and then got like further you know furthered the divide a bit and like yeah it was it was there was chaos but you know things have really settled down so that's nice <laughs> not not too much turmoil right now yeah Yeah, and I think I, although I do <laughs> yeah. think one productive thing that came out of that as well was um, that in in the discussions that were had with the CAG, particularly in the wake of that uh, of the banning and the discussions around splitting the formats, I think that um, it, pro it did provide an opportunity for members of the community to make sort of the very clear, fully laid out case of why it's not really fair for the RC or the CAG to just sort of say, well, go make your own format. Like, I think that 
there were good discussions that were had where people explained those reasoning and like people including uh shivam and josh and uh sheldon i believe all sort of said statements to the effect of like we didn't sort of realize how much risk or how like how unlikely that is to succeed or how potentially damaging to the community it could be and so you know we don't think it's just a throwaway suggestion that we can make fairly yeah uh yeah so you know we're gonna kind of move out of this this segment but we're gonna kind of carry on with the effects with the effects of the paradox engine ban much like they're still being felt now uh in the metagame are going to be felt into the next segment uh because that's going to be decks that lost popularity <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so decks are, that just got murdered yeah, just, just, just that straight dead. up got epstein first yeah. first thing i have to say though is uh posts about the paradox engine ban and format split and discussion in that context represent three of the top five posts of all time on the cdh subreddit karma inflation i tell you <laughs> yeah well people all right people cared a lot but yeah so the um the decks that lost popularity, we're not going to be mentioning decks that were already dead as of last year. So this is the same sort of thing we're doing as we did last year, where we're not going to touch the stuff that we did last year. So uh, first off, we've got a kind of a runner of just four decks, uh, and that's going to be Sisse, Arkham, Joyra, and uh, PST. So Thrasios and Timna, uh, that kind of deck. So... These were all significantly affected by the Paradox Engine ban. Now, we already talked about PST versus CST and how CST was kind of already the direction things were going. But, I mean, obviously, you can't have a deck still exist where part of the acronym is uh, is the P for Paradox Engine. There was uh, never so, really a PCS, PCST. Yeah. Uh, there, people, no. people played it. There, there was a PTSD deck. Yeah. Oh, yeah also, I guess yeah. I suppose uh, UPS should also be on this list. Hey, hey, hey. which is name didn't change. A paradox same name. Scepter. Same name. <laughs> yes. Same acronym. Doesn't matter. They kept. They, they just so forced. They kept the. <laughs> they just forced. Is the, it for that? Those are the main combos in the deck. I think it just subliminally makes people upvote. That's all. <laughs> oh, what for can sure. blue do for you? Man, man complains about karma inflation. Titles his deck UPS. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. But yeah. So, regarding these four decks that were killed by uh, Paradox Engine ban, I'm most sad to see Sisse go. I mean, yeah. Same. I mean, reiterating yeah. what was said on the original episode for the Paradox Engine banning is that it's tragic just how much effort went to that deck almost directly before the ban. Um, yeah, like the the, uh, yeah. the lines had had been reworked and optimized like three times in as many months, um, and like there were probably over a hundred man hours that went into it in that time. Um, and the deck was really cool, and there was <laughs> they a lot were of optimized stuff right off a cliff. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and we lost like one of the. I mean, there are no viable. Uh, I mean, people can argue Selvala in terms of another green white. 
no. viable commander. Nope. No. Uh, yeah, no. We, we, no. we basically just like lost our only viable green-white commander. Yeah, and, you know, losing losing a solid deck like that that lots of people play, you know, a Staxi deck that... Like, it, it was... It added it added a uh, a unique aspect to the format that, you know, we lost. And with that, you know, the Thrasios timna meta-homogenization continues. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, no, it's yeah, it's I mean people people just switch decks to other stuff. Not everyone switched to TNT, but it, it it's just sad losing a uh, a deck like Sissé. Yeah, it's gonna come uh, back as a Brazella combo deck, mark my words. God. <laughs> yeah, so unless people have things to say about these other decks that, you know, I mean it feels we're probably people are probably gonna be mad at us, you know, ignoring Joyra and Arkham. I mean, Arkham was already not a very popular mono blue commander, so you know, not too much was lost there. Joyra, I mean, Joyra was playable. People played Joyra. We had a one of our friends, uh, shout out to Scuba Steve, uh, had a really sick Joyra deck, um, and that's just kind of gone now. People tried to keep this deck alive, but yeah, it just didn't. It just wasn't the same without Paradox. Yeah, it, it, it was a bit more Absolutely. like of an invisible power loss than. Like the overt power losses from Arkham and Sisse, who lost like lost like a direct like their core combo piece, but like yeah, in the end it just too, proved to be a bit too much, I think, for Jorah. Yeah. Uh, so next up, uh, we've got Teferi. So Matt, do you want to talk about this one as our resident Teferi player? God. Yes. Teferi, uh, you know, being kind of a. Like, I, I wouldn't say necessarily the previous best mono blue commander, but definitely um, was worth it was mentioning. It was. Let's just say it. I don't, okay, know, sure. if it was, I don't best, know if it was at the beginning of 2019. This maybe. isn't. Okay, yeah. This isn't the Teferi episode. But anyways. Um, and there will never be one. But anyways. Uh, yeah. Yikes. Just as, I don't know, a long time Teferi player, but sad to see Teferi go, but also kind of makes sense that cards like the Chain Veil don't make any more sense in cdh uh yeah, sad to see him go but also good riddance yeah <laughs> <laughs> you kill the block just crowded that... him out definitely a I deck think... that wins more often than not out of the blue <laughs> <laughs> yeah. teferi my take on it is that you know teferi was kind of already falling out of favor amongst you know people who played against timna <laughs> yeah like teferi was becoming less and less of a viable strategy and people were clinging on to it because you know someone wants to play mono blue and or they've heard about teferi and teferi you know like has a reputation for being an insane deck uh because you know in the past before you know timna winter then like teferi was very very strong but it was just you know getting played more than it should have and Urza put the final nail in the coffin. Teferi is is dead, except by those you know crazy hipsters who want to try to force the deck still. Uh, and and I'm just glad that it's not going to be. I'm I'm not going to see a Teferi in a pod and just think, great, you're going to be useless because you're just going to be drawing the Timna player card every turn. Yeah, uh, it is kind of sad to see the last kind of viable stasis deck fall out of you know the meta but whatever also like the last planeswalkers commander deck like i mean derevi was around for a while did, oh, sorry, didn't, didn't we uh, just 
just talk about Amanatu. Oh, Amanatu? Oh my god. <laughs> like, did, didn't we just yeah, cut do that? that? Out. <laughs> cut that out, guys. Don't. <laughs> Stop exposing my Alzheimer's, please. <laughs> Um, the last blue-based Planeswalker deck that has a plus to value, a minus yeah. to, or a plus to draw cards, a minus to value, and an ultimate that does nothing. And is in less than three <laughs> oh, colors. Wait, never mind. <laughs> yeah, so we've got we've got three more decks on this list. Uh, I think I'll, I'll next take up, this, Morgan. this next yeah. one, which is uh, the suboptimal five-color food chain decks. Both Tazri and, rest in peace, Niv-Mizzet, he died so young. He was reborn and lived for literally six weeks, and then they spoiled the first sliver, and he was immediately surpassed. Was it actually six weeks? It was six it was weeks. Six weeks. Uh, so Niv Mizzet, uh, Tazri was obviously the the premier five color food chain commander for uh, a couple years, but was definitely uh, falling out of favor a little bit throughout 2018. Uh, and then Food Chain sort of got a bit of a revitalization when Niv was spoiled because it just had a much more useful value case and your win cons were like a little bit less bad. Um, and then we went like, wow, you know, who thought we'd get an upgrade to Food Chain? And then six weeks later, it's like, <laughs> and the perfect Food Chain commander. Okay, it lets you cast spells from your library for free. Huh. Um... So I guess the only the only thing that would be a better outlet would be something that actually just dealt damage itself yeah, or like Omnath and killed color. your killed your opponents in five color. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so those are those are both ones that uh, were were supplanted by uh, by the first sliver. Okay, Reed, what do we got next? Right. I, really, you putting this on me? All right, fine. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll say. Oh, wow. it, yeah. You you just have to read the text. All right, I'll I'll read the text. It says Yisan. <laughs> yes. Okay. Oh. Wow, Reed. How could you say something so controversial? Are you it's trying Yisan to get all of our one. listeners to hate you? <laughs> yeah, it sort of sucks. I mean, uh, Yisan's been seeing like a steady decline over the past few years at this point. Um, he like sort of like initially started losing popularity, I think, when Solval became a thing. However many years ago that was. Um, and then I don't think he ever really recovered from the drop in popularity after that, after people started switching over. He never reached the same heights, but he's, he's always been a popular commander. And then I think over the past year or so, as it got more and more ingrained in the overall CDH zeitgeist that like flash Hulk is a thing that you actually have to deal with and you can't just ignore, um, I think I think that people have actually finally sort of begun to realize that like hey maybe I can't actually play Yisan. Maybe this isn't yeah, actually I, the best I think idea. One of the, the biggest things is that people have been seeing the results that Yisan has been posting in terms of like, you know, is are people taking Yisan to the you know CDH tournaments when they happen? No. Are people uh being successful with yes and on ranked ladders no in <laughs> fact it's very performing very poorly on ranked ladders so like people are, are seeing the numbers for yes and you know it's not very impressive uh it gets recommended as a budget deck which you know you know power to it it's definitely a uh, a very solid budget option but it has a very very specific meta it needs to prey on and that is just not the meta that exists right now and it's hard to envision 
going back to a meta where ESN is, you know, one of the top decks. Yeah. Hey, it's uh, on the Nexus ranked ladder. It's a solid seven wins and 51 losses. That seems, that seems oh, pretty good. Now, okay. Yesan, okay, wow. Yesan needs like multiple low CMC meta hate creatures that are also like resilient. <laughs> that, that are it, also like to work. It needs to not die and also be unable to play Hulkate. And also, okay, so I think the Yesan numbers are <laughs> deflated because, because it was often recommended to new players because it was cheap. And people sort of thought of it as easy, like, oh, just learn the lines and then play the deck. But it, it's actually not. Like, playing any sort of staxy deck sort of requires knowledge of what your opponents are doing. That new Especially because it's, it's actually, like, it's staxy, but it, like, one of the core tenets. Well, the, one of the core yeah. tenets of play is that is an instant speed reactive deck that is staxy and slow. Yeah. Um, and and the other, th the other thing is that... Um, you know, we talked about Salvala, but then Salvala sort of fell out of favor, and Yisan was one of the slowest decks that you really wanted to remove its commander, and then the faster decks whose commanders you really wanted to remove, with the notable exception of Gitrog uh, and potentially Najila, have also somewhat fallen out of favor. You don't see the Salvalas, obviously you don't see the Sisses, you see less Zur than you used to, and so people who are have removal there's just a much lower density of things you want to kill before Yisan. And so that also just makes the life of a Yisan player even harder in the current meta. Yeah. Yeah, you, you guys heard it here first. The Into the North has declared that Yisan is dead. Yes. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yisan as a commander <laughs> is dead, yes. Oh, I yeah. think Yisan, the card, is extremely strong. Oh, <laughs> Still, yeah, for sure. play Yisan. <laughs> Okay, so we've got our final, uh, you know, decks that have lost popularity, and that's uh, Scepter Storm decks. I think, Morgan, you wrote this yeah, down, Yeah, this, right? this one was mine. I just wanted to highlight, I mean, I still play Kess Storm, but I was thinking of decks that, I mean, some of them would have played Paradox Engine or it would have been optional, but just decks that played Scepter, played Ad Nauseam, uh, your Kess Storms, your, uh, your Zur... The, you know, the builds of Xur with Scepter in it. Um, just that style of artifact-based infinite mana deck um, has really been supplanted by Consult, as we were discussing earlier. And so... And really like... You still see you still see Scepter in low-color decks. Like, you know, it's in Urza, it's in a lot of mono-blue decks, or, you know, some two-color decks. But as a... Like, in three-plus-color decks, particularly ones with blue and black, people have gone, hang on a second... Lemon plus consult sort of does this, but I don't need the board state, and I don't die to null rod, so... And I don't need to spend all these deck slots on things that might not do, like, a lot of stuff on their own. Yeah. I can stop I think, playing like, artifacts models. as... Yeah, I think, like, artifacts as a primary strategy, those types of decks have mostly died off, and I wouldn't necessarily say that's just because of the Paradox Engine ban. I think it's because, like... Um, artifact hate is probably the most prevalent and like well cost hate in like in the whole game, um, especially recently. Yeah, uh, sure. and like the grindy mid range strategy kind of just beats that all the time. And then obviously scepter just falls into that category. And I think also with like the 
the idea of going into grind right now, um, in general, like everybody switching to slower options and like wanting to have more mana and like building to like try to get to the mana and card advantage first um, before anybody else. Um, I, I think an issue with that for artifact decks is like creatures tend to do big mana a lot better as a strategy. Um, uh, artifacts are fairly explosive and that's their strength is um, you can make a lot you tend to be able to make like more mana faster or you can play them on the same turn and profit mana but creatures tend to give you a lot more um, sustained mana generation which I think is what a lot of people uh, a lot of decks value a lot more right now yeah that's for sure okay so the uh, next category is going to be a uh, new high impact cards that were printed so much like we did for the uh new decks you know new commanders that were printed and decks that were enabled by new cards uh we're just gonna hammer through a list of a bunch of the uh the new cards that were printed out that had a high impact because there is a lot of them and we do not have there, enough time to discuss so them all many. in detail yeah right. so uh let's uh, read read the last it. one uh I'll, Morgan, Morgan, you sure, can I'll, I'll blast through these. And uh, we each picked one that we're going to talk about more after. So keep in mind, this list is excluding the best four. And it's a, still a pretty insane list. Yeah. So we've got Neoform, Finale of Devastation, Dovin's Veto, Smothering Tithe, Narset, Parter of Veils, Lesser Masticor, Mystic Sanctuary, Fabro Elder, Biomancer's Familiar, Arcane Signet, Collector Oof, Talismans, and Horizon Lands. Narset's Reversal, Okame Adversary, Drown in the Lock, Oren Frostfang, Brought Back, and Villas Broker of Blood. Yeah, so what could possibly be that. better than that? <laughs> <laughs> some some of those at the very end, you know, are a bit more niche, but you know, we're not saying all of these are at the very same power level, but just they did not meet the cut for our top picks but from the last God, year. God, there are some good cards yeah. in there, and there are a lot of them in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, yeah, and there's probably someone missing twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I'll start things off with my pick, and uh, you know, if you guys have been paying attention to the episode, this is one that we're, we're going to quiz shocked. everybody at the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> Mine, my choice of you know the most impactful card printed last year is going to be Jace, Wielder of Mysteries, uh, and you know I'm not going to spend ton of time monologuing about this but you know second lab man new a plus b combos we have already seen the impacts of this card does not not too much more needs to be said that hasn't already been said before so unless you guys have something something else i'm, I'm glad to move on to the next ones and we can go more in depth on those i think i'm good to just move to to mine cool um, uh matt what do you got yeah, so for mine, I have um, the force, the new force cycle, and then specifically force of negation and force of vigor. Um, I actually think out of the two, force of vigor is the stronger card, but absolutely, um, you know, you never expect another free counter spell, um, and you definitely don't expect free removal. So really happy to see these, and they've had a huge impact. Yeah, what is with Watsy just printing cards that are free? I thought they've learned their lesson <laughs> no, already, never. you know? <laughs> They're just going to have to keep banning them. They'll learn, their they'll learn their lesson eventually, but until then, we get to keep having free cards. <laughs> I think, yeah, absolutely insane. I think Force of Vigor has also been particularly impactful in light of the uh, Year of the Ristic study, where people are 
jamming their value engines obviously rhystic study but you know there's other artifacts and enchantments carpet of flowers is a big one where like often what you'll see is force of vigor is getting like a hate piece out of the way the graphic is caged the curse totem whatever it is and then just gravy so you you're like i'll take your rhystic study i'll take your mystic remora i'll take your carpet I'll take your rhystic study and smothering tithe yeah like, like oh even even like even taking soul rings and mana crypts still feels pretty good but like yeah oftentimes you're actually you're getting something critical out of the way and like something that's actually more impactful than a soul ring or a like crypt i've even had uh games before where like you, you know how like some games somebody will go i'm gonna dark ritual whatever and cast a uh, like big value engine on turn one or i'm like i'm just gonna slam over a study in turn one or i'm gonna like slam a smothering tithe on turn one and like pass turn and like I've noticed that like having a force of vigor in the deck and just being able to like they they go through and spend a bunch of their hand doing that and then pass and you just have a dork left over in your hand and you go force of vigor tag the smothering tide so you don't get anything out of it and then also hit that soaring over there and set two people back. Yeah, it it's they're they're definitely more they're 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 subtler cards. They're not they're not super flashy, but they're just you know quiet workhorse, quiet workhorses. You know, just they they just getting the job done, putting in putting in a uh, solid amount of of work, and and you know, not not making a big fuss about it. But their their impact uh, can definitely be felt. Uh, so Morgan, you've got an exciting card. Certainly <laughs> do. So you might have noticed one of the uh, cards I said first on the list of high impact cards was uh dovin's veto and that very well might have made the list as an uncounterable counterspell at two mana uh would have been absolutely insane but turns out you don't always need to counter counterspells because somebody thought veil of summer was a good idea to print uh so that oh god <laughs> draws a card for one mana at instant speed in green which is already good um <laughs> And then it makes your spells uncounterable, which is already good. And it gives your stuff hexproof from blue and black, which is like pretty niche, but still not bad. And it dodges, Uh, it dodges. I don't even think it's that niche. Well, I mean, like, protection from abrupt decay and Dovin's veto is just like. uh, (laughs) Protection, protection Uh, from abrupt decay, Assassin's Trophy, Dovin's veto, uh, Flusterstorm, Pongify, like. And those are those are like the targeted removal spells. Well, so just it, like it, all the blanks targeted removal, like most of the good targeted even removal just like, gets played. It blanks pretty much all of the classic like interaction pieces that every that you'd like consider to be like uninteractable. Like these are just like things that are happening. I cast yeah, an abrupt decay targeting your Batman. Your... Okay, cool, it dies. Like I can't do anything about that. But like it just like it just stops all of that. Yeah, you're sitting back with your fluster storm, like, <laughs> you think you're gonna be able to resolve whatever instant or sorcery? Well, you know, like how many counter spell, how many copies of fluster storm can you counter? It's like, oh well, I don't actually need to counter them. I'll just, I'll just make this uncounterable. And draw a card. And draw a card. Why not? Can't you know, seems no seems fair. And also I, the fact that it yeah. gives other spells you cast later in the turn uncounterable means that you sometimes might just free cycle it if you need to dig or whatever. Uh, but also, you can just free cycle it, and then surprise, you cast some uncounterable spell that wins the game. Yeah, people people in in sixty card formats call this card, you know, one mana cryptic command because it certainly because feels like that is. a lot of the time. 
God. I mean, <laughs> I mean not, not like it's anything close in terms of power level or in terms of uh, just play style in general, but the fact that this card is banned in both Pioneer and Standard is a bit of a telltale sign that something's up. And, and CDH is general. I mean, maybe not in the last few months, but generally CDH is even more blue dominated than Standard and Pioneer. Yeah. Or I guess Pioneer's new, but Standard historically. Like, there's not mono red or, like, two-color aggro decks or whatever in yeah. CDH. There's a lot of blue yeah. and a lot of black. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what else needs to be said, you know, about Veil of Summer. Everyone understood the card. power level. <laughs> well, okay, one thing that's interesting I've kind of found in terms of following 60-card formats in CDH is that every single CDH player knew this card was the most busted card ever the second they saw it. And it took... Longer than I expected for the 60 card players to catch onto the hype. I mean, it's more like, meta dependent in 60 card formats. That's for sure. It is, but you, it just, I don't know, man. This, this card. Yeah, as a sideboard card, it's so free. It's just insane. Blanks hand yeah. attack, blanks counter spells, blanks removal. Lull. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that's, that's Veil of Summer. And uh, last but not least, Reed. Well, uh, you guys, if you were listening closely, might have noticed that there is a very specific card missing that might be glaring omission. Might be yeah. like far and away the best card of the year. Um, Hundred points to Gryffindor if you can guess what it is before Reed <laughs> says it. This this and one, if you, even if it's not the best, I think it certainly is the most impactful. In oh the yeah, decks that it's enabled and changes that it's made. Reasons to not play Thrasios Timna. This this one is a little ditty I like to call Dockside Extortionist. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This card, you know, right off the bat was like twenty dollars. Hasn't come down. I, I don't it's think it ever insane. is coming down. <laughs> no, it's probably only gonna go up. It's like Teferi's protection. I mean pro- casuals played Teferi's protection a lot, but this this card is just so unbelievably God, good. It's just it's a ritual on its own, like a vast majority of the time, and it scales up as the game goes on. Which like most rituals get worse as the game goes on because you don't need the extra mana that much. This one's just like no, I'm just gonna instead of making the three mana on turn two, I'm just gonna make twenty mana on turn twelve. <laughs> like, which <laughs> like also like imagine if your your pyretic ritual right, like you can just instead of casting it the turn you go off and netting a single red mana and converting your colors uh one it also it just adds three mana of whatever colors you want um but also you can play it and you can just sit on that mana and then go from you know turn turn two to turn six like it just does everything and it's a combo it's piece stupid honestly and it's, it's a yeah, creature it seems, so you can tutor for it, it easily it seems like a card that I would have expected printed in a set designed for 1v1 that, like, they just didn't really think about how much better it was when you had three opponents. But it was in the commander set. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, 2020 prediction, year of Torpor Orb. I I could have seen... I literally (laughs) could have seen Darkside Extortionist in, like, Modern Horizons. As, like, some weird... Yeah. Like, oh, this will enable certain strategies to have to fight against, like, affinity or whatever, because you just slam it on turn two, and then you're like, oh, I actually have mana to cast spells before I die to affinity. But, nope, it was in Commander. Yeah, so just, just to talk about some of the impact 
uh, of this card, right? Like, I mean, people know that it's used for infinite mana combos and, you know, as a ritual and just, you know, powerhouse on that front, but it's warping people's deck building decisions and commander choices, right? Like, people are legitimately considering moving away from Thrasios and Timna to include red for Doxa. Which is, like, uh, you something know, that, like, is such like so far out of again something that's so far out of the range of what i ever would have thought would have happened at the beginning of this year like, like uh, well, think, i'm yeah. sorry red we thought red got be... a card that made people not want to play thras timna i'm sorry well i mean people still want to play thrasios well, yeah, <laughs> with yeah. Dockside for the All most right. part so this is this is you know we talked about timna winter and blah 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 this is the fire that is you know staving off the cold timna winter give, introducing a little bit of red into the uh, the meta game, it's it's really nice, but uh, I want I wanted to mention like another thing. So Dockside people like are, and I mean you know I talked about Goto and you know enough on the show, but Goto decks are like running uh, Goblin Matron. I mean, there's other goblins for you but, know, like, like other toolboxy purposes. Going to get Dockside. <laughs> Dockside is so good that it's worth it to run like a, just a crappy goblin tutor to go find this card. I think it might uh, Wedge's list might also be running um, Goblin Matron in Frazada for oh, Dockside. Oh yeah, no, I'm hundred percent. I'm not surprised. Like it's like two two that's bodies just such that a reminds you of shit ton weird. of mana to yeah. cast all your spells. <laughs> God, and like I'm sure like Matt, you can probably speak to this like. Having just like a base tutor target for recruiters in like your like so like weird like non black shells. Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. man. And well, and like just a neo form, and even like you can even just rip on like some good value off an eldritch evolution and just get a dockside because it's that good. Yeah, three mana put three mana sack a creature put eight ish treasures into play. Sometimes is what that does. Yeah. Um, one thing, you know, you did say people looking to play red either with Thrasius and something else or in five color with something like Kenrith. One card that maybe should have been mentioned in, you know, sort of the rediscovered tech section um, that was actually sort of brought in by Niv-Mizzet Reborn, rest in peace, uh, is Vexing Shusher <laughs> is actually really strong in the current meta. Yeah. Because you just play it and it can't be countered and it makes it so other stuff can't be countered. And then that's actually a problem for a and lot of decks. It converts all your green mana and into green, counter which spells. Makes tons. Of- yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, just Shusher. The, the 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 most annoying thing about Shusher is that its target spell can't be countered, yeah. and not just your yeah, so yeah. you. Yeah. You just the, decide like, stacks, all counter wars. Yeah. <laughs> Ad nauseum. Counter spell. Counter spell. Your counter spell. Uh. Uh-uh. I'd like to cast one of my 15 red blasts that I have on deck. <laughs> yeah, and the thing with 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 Shusher too is that it's like you you have to the Adnos player there has to commit to casting a counter spell to even get the Shusher activation, yeah. right? Just the threat of activation eats cards from your opponent's hand. It's so gross. I think I've thrown 3 counter spells at the same spell into a vexing shusher at well, least I've, once. I've seen I've oh, seen yeah, I've done I've, that as well. I think the max I've seen is five before. Which is just like it's it yeah, like the card I think it, it's always like people have already had always had in the back of their minds, but with the resurgence of food chain and like people actually wanting to play red for reasons, you know, like five color Kenrith, God 
The card is now such an annoyance. <laughs> Honestly, man, Jace and Veil and Force, it should have just been red cards. <laughs> really shake things up. Yeah, Dockside and like the fact that you get treasure tokens and those have other uses, right? Like if you're trying to, uh, um, you know, play Corvold and you get the sacrifice effect drawing cards or, you know, suppose there's some decks that want to use, uh, take advantage of, of having multiple artifacts in play. So it's just, it does so much for such a, an un, like it, I don't, I don't want to call it like unimpressive or like, you know, like it's, it, it just does a lot. I don't know. <laughs> there's, I'm at a bit of a loss for words for Dockside. Um, yeah, I think, I think that about wraps it up for the, uh, the cards that were printed this year that were of high impact and we're into the end game now are the the end stretch of the episode and we're gonna close this out pretty quickly so we'll, we'll briefly talk about uh we each got a selection of innovations slash tech that have happened this past year uh that we want to discuss so i'll, I'll start things off uh that's going to be the 20 easy steps from uh, forgotten cane or forge on discord uh sorry forge 10 on discord and that's the uh it's just a continuation of the anafenza of, of gitrog being able to play through an in-play anafenza using guy's blessing uh i started this off with the 60 easy steps uh, over a year ago and that was a very complicated line that required lots of money cards and forge uh, helped work on reducing the uh, the complexity and the cost of those uh, combos. So, you know, just big shout out to him, uh, Matt. You're yeah. So my innovation slash tech is decks that block, and this is kind of just a roundabout way of saying mid range in general. Like, you know, you don't have to just concede to Timna. You know, it, it's not like it's it's not like it's hard to understand why Timna would win the game when. You know even just one player can't block it right so now i find that these like you know grindy mid-range strategies or whatever um you know not letting timna connect is extremely valuable uh morgan yeah my pick is all the spell seeker stuff um there's more than this but i'll just highlight two the first is the interaction between spell seeker and neoform where Spellseeker finds Neoform, which you can then immediately Neoform the now largely useless Spellseeker into some useful 4-drop, potentially as part of Hulk chains with stuff like Body Snatcher. Um, and the other one is the uh, Spellseeker Inala line, uh, which I believe was discovered by Hisp, uh, which is a one-card combo that lets you win for, I believe, you just need an extra black after you cast the Spellseeker uh, by repeatedly using effects like culling the weak and cheap reanimation effects to cycle and get double triggers off Inala and cycle through and set up uh, an infinite combo which is just like a really neat way of of using the card um, and you know obviously getting squeezing every ounce of value you can out of it and read uh, yeah and sort of related to what Morgan said in the first part of that. Um, just in general, my god, the Hulk variants that have just kept chugging along. Um, we started with the big three last year of uh, well, Shuffle, Sacred, and then Breakfast got an update. Um, and then this year, just yeah, again, like Red Hulk continuing to be a powerhouse, and now again with a Doxat Extortionist 
Um, especially with the backup with either Baron or uh, Teamer Sabretooth as like a backup hook pile. So I, I really like all the, the, those decks are all really cool in my opinion when they're built correctly. Um, and also like Mastercore being introduced to get that whole like Malira pile down to one Hulk trigger has opened up a lot of opportunities for people to do things. And people have gone back and started looking at um, things like Hulk Weaver and slotting in new piles for that and like trying to fit other piles in and make other stuff work and like optimizing breakfast stuff. Um, I think we saw the Quicken breakfast pile come around this year as well. Like that's fairly oh, yeah, which is super yeah. cool. Um, like making basically like making it so yeah, like the gap is slowly closing between like it used to be, yeah, here are these three Hulk decks and like this is the thing that this Hulk deck, deck can't do, but it can do these other things, and this is the one that this can't do, and it's more like this is the these, this is the thing that this Hulk deck is bad at, but can still do, and here are the things that it's really good at. Yeah. Uh, so then our final uh, little topic, or sorry, our our third final mini topic here is uh, the best decks. What, what do we each think the best deck is? Uh, you know, at this point, at the end of the year. Uh, so what we obviously these these can't exactly reflect our, our opinions because uh, we decided on an arbitrary rule that we didn't want overlapping picks. So, you know, these are the four best decks, according to, you know, whatever together we these we, we all think these are generally the four best decks. That was a lot. That was hard to yeah, just don't judge us, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my pick is uh, CST. I think, you know, the trend of Thrasius and Timna being dominant, not done. And consult is just proving to be so resilient <clears throat> uh, and just such an efficient win package that it's it's hard to uh, hard to deny that the, the strength of this deck just, yeah, very, very powerful kind of good stuff deck dot deck uh yeah that's it for me yeah so uh, my pick yeah. is uh kenrith and um i kind of just put that down as like a layered combo um you know imagine having you know something kind of like a thrasios tier infinite mana outlet uh with a bunch of other spicy abilities um but you could also have red for dockside extortionist and um it really plays well with like you know the mid-range kind of grindy meta um i think there is a build of kenrith that works um you know in your local meta and a build of kenrith that works in kind of the general sense of the meta uh there's really nothing this these kenrith type decks can't do um and i've i'm absolutely like stoked to see like even more kenrith brews like i think it's the tip of the iceberg now uh but yeah Talk to your doctor to see if Kenrith might be right for you. <laughs> Side effects may include. <laughs> also, I do, I've never actually sleeved Kenrith, but I'm. <laughs> I'm one thing. One thing I have to say is, at least four out of the five abilities on Kenrith are relevant. People looked at the draw. The reanimate does stuff even in decks that aren't dedicated to taking advantage of it. Uh, sometimes you just pull back like a Avon Mind Sensor, and that's actually pretty good. Or a Dockside Extortionist, or Spellseeker. That's very good. Um, <laughs> and then the counters, it's a weird mirror breaker because 
when they're sitting back with their Thrasios, you can just make your Kenrith like a 7-7 or an 8-8, pay a red, give it trample, and just go on the beatdown if, if, you, if you're too scared to commit actual win conditions. Um, and then obviously, the, yeah, so the growing and the trample and haste uh, enables a lot of other stuff, particularly you can win without infinite blue mana, which I think a lot of people missed when they initially looked at the card by just making an infinitely large board and giving it haste and trample. And Morgan, you're up next. Yeah, so my pick was uh, Timnacrom Man or Opus Consult. Uh, basically just that style of deck that plays good cards and in particular can play Grafdigger's Cage and Rest in Peace uh, to fight Hulks and Gitrogs and can play uh, Clasms and Board Wipes because, you know, as we've discussed, we've been seeing a lot of decks that play Thrasios and a lot of mana, particularly dorks that produce multiple mana, and just try and sit and value off that. And uh, I think being able to wipe those uh, puts you in a position where you can have a lot of control over metas like that. And Reed, take us home. Uh, who'd guessed it? Trust him to Hulk. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I guess I sort of have to rep and specifically say shuffle hulk but just in general i mean the archetype continues to prove its power and dominance and it i mean it's not going anywhere as long as uh as long as sheldon doesn't have to play against it <laughs> um i i guess i guess flash is getting banned so uh yeah i'm a i'm a ring every last drop of brokenness out of that card can we, can we just can. take in a half how many of our discussions about this year were innovations and in cards that have been used to try and stop Hulk. And here we are at the end of the day saying it's a very solid contender for the best deck in the format. Still. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Adaptations a bitch. Um, yeah. So we'll kind of go things on. <laughs> so, but we're going to wrap things up on our discussion of 2019 by talking about our observations for the way the meta has trended. So how things started off, where they've ended up, and uh, then we're going to lead things on after that into our predictions for next year. So at the beginning of the year, um, you know, food chain was losing popularity. Like Tazri was, was falling out of favor. Things were uh, kind of, race to the bottom with hulk uh and and look at where we are now right everything is is just it's all about the the grindy mid-range deck if you're if your plan if your deck does not have a a a good grind plan or some way to accumulate value and keep up with the other decks in the pod uh while while things are in a stalemate then you need to be you're you're on you're on the back foot you're you're not doing so hot. So it's 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 interesting how the meta has shifted in this direction, be, almost because of Hulk, as we already discussed, where it's the interaction that's causing people to want to you know get these value pieces and and try to break the parity on these stalemates. I, I really wouldn't have expected that we'd end up here. One of the fastest decks in of, the format is slowing everything down. Yeah, is anyone it's just else so strange like? Ex- like really happy about this <laughs> like, i'm i'm this is like the ideal competitive 
Like it's like close, but <laughs> you may not the like ideal, it, competitive ideal competitiveness landscape. Like yeah. Speak performance looks like. <laughs> no, honestly, Matt, I feel that I feel that a lot because I'm not a huge fan of just the solitaire who can goldfish the fastest, uh, and and just the interaction and and playing interesting stacks and politics that that all really gets to play out um, in these kind of mid rangey decks, and also your your deck choices. Your deck slots tend to have larger impacts on the game, I find. So a single card can really change the direction a game goes because, you know, oh, I put in this one uh, grind piece, you know, just to just in case. And because you've, the game is going on for so much longer and you've got all these tutors, like you can really make a concerted effort to transition to that sort of plan and really feel the impact of that single choice. So there's lots of room for personalization and, and optimizing in these kind of metas and I'm a huge fan of that. I do have to say, I think we've probably gone a little farther than I would have liked. I don't, you're right, I don't think the meta where everyone's playing a deck like Savala Brostorm and you just goldfish as fast as possible is fun. But I also don't necessarily think um, inevitability offs are the most fun either. Yeah. Like, I think there, I think there could be a bit more of a middle ground. Um, I'd love to see, you know, maybe decks, like, you know, I had some success with uh, with Vanifar, but you know, if Flash was gone, Hulk or if Hulk hate was much less prevalent, a deck like Vanifar trying to get in under the wire, you know, stuff like Food Chain that sometimes can sneak the wins and sometimes has to adapt and play the longer game. Because um, I find now, well, I expect every game to go long, and I feel like whenever you expect games to end at a certain point consistently i think that's just a little a little st- it gets a little stale like you don't want to expect them to end on turn three you also don't want to expect them to end on turn 15 you want to expect them to end on a range of turns and i think we've moved past that and into expecting them to end late yeah actually i think i agree with you there i think it's i think it's unhealthy that how strong seaborn muse is in the format <laughs> the, like, the new ad nausea as, as like a one sentence you know explanation i'm still not yeah. sure i've ad seen nauseam, anybody ad nauseam isn't even gone and it's the new ad i'm nauseam still not sure i've seen anybody so far play a seaborn muse and win the game i you definitely show up to like tuesday that. meetings more yeah. <laughs> yeah so anyone have uh so beyond just like the transition towards a grindier more mid-range Meta, what, what else have you guys noticed? Uh, personally, else? I've seen sort of a decline recently in my experience, both online and in our, in our local meta, um, of there are really just like fewer commander-centric win cons now, I've noticed. Um, there's n- So like by, by that you mean like not, like so if Thrasios is an outlet, that doesn't count. You mean things like yeah, Get Wrong, yeah, I'm, I'm, Godo, I'm talking about Vanifar, like things that like like commanders that are specific oh, yeah. combos with one card or another not like yeah. not like urza like plan with, one commanders yeah, not like urza with like infinite men or whatever but yeah like okay like yeah. plan plan a combo commanders um i've seen yeah really i've sort of seen a decline um and i and i guess it makes sense with the prevalence of um very strong commander agnostic combos like you know consult and hulk uh paired with the fact that on average i guess those um, more like plan A commanders tend to do a bit worse into the grind meta because um, 
it tends to be that if those if those decks can compete in the grind, it's because their commander is also a value engine, and having a commander that is both a value engine and a major win con piece is a lot of a liability <laughs> when going into a game of CDH, considering Gilded Drake and removal abound. Yeah, not only is it a liability, but it's just also exceedingly rare in terms yeah. of cards that actually fit that description. Like, Gitrog is the most obvious one that fits that description. And, of course, as any Gitrog player can attest, it's a massive uh, Gilded Drake bait. So, <laughs> yeah, it's there's there's it definitely, definitely uh, does not feel super great. But at the same time, Gitrog is, you know, one of the only commander-centric decks that I would feel comfortable taking into this current meta. I've noticed that, like, um, a lot of the decks are either more than three colors or less than three colors. So I guess what I'm saying is there aren't very many three-color decks, just in my, like, yeah, Zer's, subjective Zer's metagame. Yeah, favor Kess. Um, see some play. Yeah, like, yeah, I, play, like I think, I play and, like, the lower color... Yeah, well, We have an yeah. player. We had two for a little while, until one of them gave up. <laughs> <laughs> I learned my lesson after many years. <laughs> many, many. You were years so unlucky. I, I, I think I think you you quit too soon. You were just actually getting unbelievably <laughs> unlucky. I don't think the I was needed bad. that push. Like the, it was healthy. It was a healthy. Yeah. So you know what, what were you saying? Um. Yeah. So I'm, I, what I'm saying is, I guess like three. And it just seems like three color commanders have fallen a bit out of favor. Um. And you know my guess is that like if you were to choose. You know, two or less, a two or less color commander. It's because they provide some, you know, very particular, you know, effect or ability, like you know, Gitrog or Urza or Kefnet or whatever it is. And then um, with the four plus com uh, color commanders, it's like, you know, the, you know, the Plan B, Plan C type value grindy commander does a lot better when you can just build a good stuff deck. Yeah, it, it kind of seems like. Uh like the three color commanders don't offer something that's different enough from the four color commanders to really justify them. So it's like, oh, I'm building, you know, Xur ad nauseum console. It's like, well, I could play Thrasios and Timna and that like, and not play massive Gilded Drake bait in the command zone and also be able yeah, to exactly. actually generate yeah. value and be able to actually generate value. Although I have to say I'm a little insulted because Matt's talking about no one playing three color decks, and I have like five three color decks. That, that that's I'm also fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. Okay. Yeah. Only weird I mean, hipsters pick, like Morgan play three color decks. Yeah, it's dude. Fine. Just pick one three color deck. Why? Why can't you make up your mind? Because they all have something that they lack. No, I'm just kidding. I, I think okay. Cass is this, great. We, we've yeah. we've dragged this episode yeah, yeah, on absolutely. for long enough. So let's let's, let's hit this last segment, uh, and that's going to be our predictions for 2020, and we can close it out. So. Everyone, before before we started recording this episode, we all wrote down some predictions for the coming year. Um, I'll kick things off. So I've got just a kind of a quick prediction, and then I've got a, like a more... I've got like two quick predictions. They add up to one. So <laughs> my first is uh, Mystic Sanctuary is not fully explored. So I think that, and that that's kind of my prediction, is that in this coming year, there'll be more development and, and use of Mystic Sanctuary. I think this card is obviously being used in obvious places like uh, Kefnet and, and those kinds of combos. I think it can potentially be used to uh, increase the reach of decks like Yuriko, where you're going to use your like Kamigawa um, 
moon folk to bounce lands and maybe rebuy turn spells and do combos like that or just use it as for more like value and changing your mana base a bit to accommodate for it now obviously this conflicts with uh tainted packed mana bases but you know in non-black decks i think maximizing your mana base to take advantage of cards like mystic sanctuary is a good call and then my other prediction is that uh this one's this one's kind of a bit of a shot in the dark and it's that if we look back at this past year and the commanders that were printed uh new commanders that were printed the only one that was really like a top tier brand new deck is urza um obviously first sliver is just an upgrade on an existing deck now my prediction is that this next year based off all the announcements of how many commander cards and sets they're going to be printing i think there is going to be a brand new um kind of mechanic like a new mechanic based top tier commander so something like gitrog or urza except it's going to be like on the same like maybe just underneath the thrasios and timnit heroes i think it's going to give them a run for its money so to summarize that's, that's, to summarize linden's takes uh stock up on soratami cloud skaters and sarah's sanctum yep, is that that's the one yeah that's that's literally all i got out of it <laughs> yeah the 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 new this new commander the, the new commander being more like powerful like it's it's kind of just a, a called shot so that I can go back and listen to this and be like, yeah, I nailed it. But I, I just don't <laughs> yeah. think, I don't think they've, that Watsi has learned their lesson in terms of printing busted cards. Like, I think they keep trying to balance their five color commanders and blah, 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 and, and introduce this balance. I just don't, I just don't think they've learned their lesson. I think they're going to continue to print breath busted shit and it's going to, we're going to feel it and it's going to shake up the meta. Well, you might be surprised to hear that. I have even colder, shoddier shots in the dark. Um, <laughs> uh, so my two predictions for 2020 are we're going to get um, either four or five color, extremely pushed, Planeswalker-based legendary creature. And I think Ooh. it's going to have some CDH potential. I I'm, pretty, I'm pretty certain on that one. Uh, and of course, I want to come back and listen to this. Uh, so congratulations <laughs> to you, future Matt. You did it. <laughs> you read everyone's palms and Mo made sense and then uh yeah my next prediction is more partners so you thought it would get a bit no. more serious but it's actually just getting even more ridiculous we're gonna no. get more partners uh i think we'll get um uh if, if they're gonna redesign partners they're gonna do monocolored partners that have um additional types so they won't just be creatures they'll be Creature artifacts, creature enchantments, that that kind of thing. Dude, Timna two electric boogaloo. Man. So future Matt, I know you're counting, but that's two wins in a row. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Called it. <laughs> okay, Morgan, what do you got for your predictions? Uh, so I predicted specifically that we'll get new four color commander options. Um, I predicted now th these two are. Are a little more spicy than that one. So first, I think that Flash will be banned. Oh, baby! And as a corollary to tell that, us what you know. <laughs> as a corollary to that, because I never fail, Fry will be picked up <laughs> as tech to answer consult decks. That can't possibly be true. 
Morgan has seen the future, and I like it. <laughs> um, and then the second one, uh, which is nice because I left it. This is my one that I'm leaving sort of vague so that I can go back and just justify it. You know, whatever happens, post-talk. That's totally what I meant. Uh, white will get its Dockside Extortionist. So there's going to be a good white card printed. That's your... I really hope so. Not just a good white card. <laughs> you know, like a, a color-defining like white card. A build-around white card. There you go. Yeah, okay. Um, Reed. All right. You've got the last. You've got the last uh, say. Quite what, what possibly we, the we least spicy say, but I did want to get this one out there. Um, <laughs> I think that they are going to print like far too many five color commanders in the next year, in twenty twenty. I think that it will probably be ten plus five color commanders. Oh, and this just that. and I think twenty twenty will be like twenty nineteen. And I think well, like I like ten plus is in like probably over fifteen. I'd say. Um, and I think they're going to miss high with one of them. And I, th- and I think when they miss high with one of them, they're going to miss very high with one of them. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if that comes true, then that also fulfills my prediction of them printing a new busted. Yes, commander. except which also like fulfills like, my prediction I, of I printing a four or five color planeswalker mechanic based i think it's just going to be the rates are a bit off and i think it's going to come from they didn't play test it <laughs> and they just happened to put it into five colors and it happened to be a bit too cheap and the effect happened to be a bit too powerful okay uh do you have anything else uh oh um, I, th- I mean, you don't, you don't have to come no, up no, with something no, else. No, 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 I, I do. You, you I think they're going to print a Hulk piece that is completely by accident and is also going to completely break the Hulk pile in half. And I'm going to have a lot of fun. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hopefully that just happens after Flash. I, I think, I think we may get a two mana blood artist stapled to a sack ellet. <laughs> no. <laughs> that'd, that'd, that'd be not ridiculous. They wouldn't do it. No way. Okay. Well... <laughs> On that, on that, you know, ominous note. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully that that dark future doesn't come to pass. Uh, we're gonna wrap up this episode, uh, this extremely long episode. Holy moly! Uh, so, if you guys would like to reach out to us with any questions, comments, or concerns, you know, sorry for missing, you know, uh, listener questions and gut check, everyone's favorite segment, but we just didn't have time. So if you, if, but if you guys would like to uh, reach out to us with any questions, comments, or concerns, you know, for future episodes, you can contact us on Twitter at into the North pod via our email into the North podcast at gmail.com or on our discord server, the invite link for which can be found in the description for this episode. An extra special thanks to all of our patrons who help cover the expenses for our show and allow us to work towards improving the quality of the podcast. If you too would like to become a patron, we are at patreon.com slash into the North podcast. Thank you as always to the band Vox Cadre for our lovely podcast music, to Nate Slover for our equally lovely podcast logo, and our long-suffering podcast editor, Roadkill. Emphasis on the long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, next episode will be out in two weeks. Until then, see ya. See ya. Peace. Have a good one.